morning again, Oceanside Sanctuary. It's good to be with you for our Sunday gathering today. No matter where you are out there watching on YouTube and Facebook, we are excited to be with you in this space. I want to encourage you to pop into the comments on Facebook or YouTube and just say hello so that we know that you're here so we can say hello back. Take a little time in those comments to say hello to each other and encourage each other. We are deep into this pandemic, and uh, even though things are starting to look up, even though there are fewer cases uh, of new coronavirus uh, cases in the last few weeks every day than there have been in the previous weeks and months, we do still have a long ways to go. And so I know a lot of you, just like us, are really beginning to feel the grind of this. But it is so great to jump on here every week and to interact with you and engage with you. And those little comments that you make on Facebook or on YouTube to say hello to each other and encourage each other make a huge difference. So I just want to encourage you to do that today. Also today, we are going to finish our teaching series called Reconciling America. For those of you who have been tuning in for the past five weeks, we have gone through a very intentional step-by-step process of what it likes or what it looks like, rather, to be healed and to forgive in difficult and broken relationships that have produced woundedness and have produced uh, maybe some hurt uh, between you and another person. And we've also talked about how these same steps really do apply to larger groups as well, not just one-on-one relationships, but family relationships, relationships in uh, work settings or in friendship groups, Uh, all the way up to sort of the social scale. This also applies to everything that's going on in the United States right now. As we talk about moving on from a couple years of real woundedness and hurt politically in this country, these very same steps really do apply to how we reconcile with each other as a nation. And so throughout this series, I've encouraged you to think about this, not just on an individual level, but also to think about how these realities play out and scale up at the level of communities and society as a whole. Today is going to be different than what we normally do on Sunday morning. Today, I'm not really going to preach to you. Instead, I'm going to facilitate a time that will feel a little bit like an extended spiritual practice. And this is intentional. Up to this point, I have really been talking to you and really speaking at you about the different steps in healing and reconciliation. But today, I'm going to ask you to do the work. Today, I'm going to talk you through that process again, and we're going to visit the final important step in that process. But rather than you just sitting back uh, passively at home and watching, I'm going to ask you to get involved and do a little bit of work right where you are. I know how this goes. I know that wherever you are right now where you're sitting, that you're accustomed to probably multitasking while church is going on. Just like you, right now at this very moment, I am at home with Janelle and we are watching this church service and we are making coffee or making breakfast or doing the dishes while church plays right in front of our eyes. Uh, But today I'm going to ask that we all set that sort of multitasking aside. I'm going to ask that you sit down somewhere that's quiet, somewhere where you can be reflective, 
somewhere where you can be free from distraction while I ask you to engage in a couple of exercises to help us walk through these steps of healing and forgiveness. And if right now isn't the best time for you to do that, that's okay. Uh, if you need to pause this video and come back to it at a later time, that's perfectly okay. Uh, or if you wanna just set aside a time later this week when you know that you'll be able to have a space where you can really be quiet uh, and uninterrupted and really engage with these things, that's fine too. You can watch what we do here now and then come back to it later. That's the beauty of having these things recorded. So that's what we're gonna do today. I wanna to invite you into, into this practice with me. Uh, and before we do, as always, I'm gonna just ask you to begin with me with a word of prayer as we center our hearts and our minds on the grace of God. Father, we thank you so much today. Spirit, we ask that you would lead us into a sense of your presence, that we would learn as a people to tap into that awareness of your presence with us and among us wherever we might be. I want to pray today that as we settle in and open up our hearts to receive what you might give to us through your scriptures and also through your ability to expand our imagination and help to tell a new story in our lives. I, I pray, God, that you would make us receptive to that. And I pray that you would lead the way into relationships that are healed and reconciled and redefined in healthier ways. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, so of course, we have been talking through what is a six-step process for healing and forgiveness. And today what I want to do is revisit the last four steps of that. Now, just by way of a reminder, the very first week, five weeks ago, I said that the first step in any healthy process of healing and forgiveness is lament, that you express genuine grief and frustration and perhaps even anger for the hurt that was done, for the woundedness that you experienced, and we're not going to stop and pause on that today. Five weeks ago, we actually invited you as a church to contribute your laments. And if you go to our website, OceansideSanctuary.org, you'll see that there's a web page there that has recorded many of the laments that you submitted to us. And so I'm just going to assume that you have already experienced that part of the process. But if you, hearing this today, have not fully grieved, fully lamented the hurt that you might have experienced in a relationship or in a situation, just know that that's not a step, a step that you can skip. That's something that you need to engage in. The second step I said was that you choose that you do want to be healed in that relationship. You do want to experience forgiveness, that that is a decision that you make. And four weeks ago, when we talked about that, we looked at a passage where Jesus actually tells a story from the perspective of the person who did the hurting and how that person realized how much they had hurt another person. They realized that somebody else had something against them, so they left their worship at the altar and they went and they made it right with the person that they had hurt. I'm gonna assume that that's already happened for you too, that whether you're the person who was hurt or the person who maybe committed the offense, who did the hurting, uh, today, I'm going to assume that you've already decided that this is something that you want. You want forgiveness in this situation. You want healing in this situation. That brings us to the third step. The third step we talked about three weeks ago, 
And we talked about how important it is to speak truth about what happened, how important it is essentially to tell the story. Now today, what I want you to do is I'm gonna give you a couple of minutes to actually sit down and write out a short, brief version of that story. I think it is incredibly important to name the facts about what happened, and it's incredibly important to begin to wrestle with what the story of that hurt really looks like. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ask you to grab a journal or a piece of paper uh, or something that you can write on, maybe it's your iPad or your computer or laptop, whatever it is that you're comfortable really writing with. And I'm gonna give you five minutes. We're actually gonna put a countdown timer up here on the screen. And I want you to sit and just focus yourself, center your heart, center your thoughts on what it was that hurt you. And five minutes really isn't enough for you to write out a full narrative story. So today I'm gonna to ask you to reflect on what happened and then maybe just write sort of some bullet points, right? What are the facts about what happened? Who did this happen with? What did they say? What did they do? How did that situation contribute to the hurt that you feel? And if it helps you to outline that in the form of a story, go ahead. But I want you to really sit with this moment and ask God to really help you to reflect on what happened in that moment. We're gonna give you five minutes to do that, and then we're gonna come back and visit the next step starting now.
All right, that is your five minutes. I, I hope that was helpful. Uh, in my experience, when I carve out a space and a time, make sure that I really can sit with my thoughts, I find that journaling out what happened can be an incredibly powerful way to really begin to explore some of the complexities of the emotions that I'm experiencing, begins to be a place where I can find some clarity in the midst of all of the noise. You know, oftentimes when we experience these kinds of hurts, there are a lot of voices in our heads. Uh, and I mean that, of course, in the healthiest possible way. You know, oftentimes we have voices of our moms or our dads telling us how we should respond to these kinds of situations. Or we have the voices of religious leaders when we were younger in our heads telling us how we should be in relationship to somebody who hurt us. Or maybe we have what we think is the voice of God in the form of certain passages of Scripture pounding down on us, telling us that we have to be a certain way with these situations. But writing all of that out and beginning to formulate that story, I've found, is a really helpful way of cutting through that internal clutter and identifying what's really at work here. And that brings us to step number four in this process of healing. And Alex preached about this two weeks ago when he said that it was incredibly important that we learn to name specifically the hurt that we've experienced. And the whole purpose of telling the story, the whole purpose of learning to speak the truth is so that we can hone in on exactly what happened. What was the harm that was done? You know, in my relationship with my wife, Janelle, oftentimes I've said this before, uh, I will say things that uh, unintentionally hurt her feelings or she may say things from time to time that unintentionally hurts my feelings. Sometimes when we're at our worst, we might get into uh, an argument and in those moments when we feel wounded or attacked or misheard or misunderstood, we might even hurt each other in an intentional way. That happens between married couples all the time. But what's really important I've found is when we come back around to a place of learning to be reconciled, that we be able to say to each other, here's what hurt me. When you said this, when you did that, it hurt because of how it made me feel or because of how I respond to those words out of my own place of insecurity, out of my own place of woundedness, right? It's very important that you be able to pinpoint exactly where that source of hurt is. Now, Alex taught us about that really well a couple weeks ago, and today I wanna to stop and ask that you go back to that journal that you just wrote, and in outlining that story, in writing a bit of that story out, where were you able to pinpoint the hurt that you experienced? Where is that harm that was caused to you exactly? So I'm gonna stop here again. We're gonna put another countdown timer on the screen and I want you to take three minutes this time, just three minutes, and really sit with that story, look through the outline that you made, look through the list of facts that you wrote down and just really ask yourself and ask the Spirit of God to reveal to you where is the hurt in this situation? What is really wounding me exactly? And we're gonna start that now and give you three minutes to reflect on that and then write that down when you've identified what that hurt is.
All right, that's your three minutes. Hopefully you were able to look through that story and really pinpoint exactly what hurt you, exactly what was said, exactly what somebody did that caused that harm. So that when somebody asks you what exactly is the problem here, you can say, this is how I was wronged. This is how I was hurt. It's very important that we be able to do that. One of the reasons it's important to do that is because the very next step, step number five, is when we decide to grant forgiveness. This is when we decide to let go of that anger, to let go of that grief, to let go of the shame that might be a residual byproduct of all of the hurt and insecurities that are bound up with the ways that we experience woundedness. Whatever it is, we talked last week about how oftentimes we get locked in to these experiences where ruminating about the story and ruminating about the hurt over and over again locks us into a kind of prison. Last week I said, as important as it is for us to be able to tell the story and as, as important as it is to be able to name the hurt, that we know that we are experiencing the negative consequences of unforgiveness when we are just locked in a cycle of replaying it over and over and over again in our minds. And so my, my question for you for this step is, how is that unforgiveness, how is that ball of emotions, that ball of negative uh, trauma responses, how is that beginning to feel like a prison to you? How is it disrupting your life? How is it disrupting the other good relationships in your life? How is it keeping you from attending to the things in your life that you really need to take care of, to your children, to your work, to your schoolwork, uh, to your worship, whatever it might be, how has thinking on that experience really become a kind of prison for you? I'm gonna pause here for another five minutes. This is another exercise for you. I want you to go back to that piece of paper again. And this time, instead of writing down the story, instead of writing down what happened to you, I wanna ask you to do something a little bit more imaginative, a little bit more creative. And this might be, for some of you, a little more vulnerable uh, because I'm asking you to project into the future. This time, I want you to take five minutes and I want you to write down what it would look like in your life if you didn't have those negative emotions anymore. How would your life be different if you could let go of the anger? How would your life be different if you could let go of that pain and that grief? How would it be different if you could be free from constantly ruminating on those thoughts again? How would it be different if you could forgive? I wanna give you five minutes to really journal a few sentences that describe how your life would be different if you could forgive, starting now.
All right, I hope that you were able to summon some mental pictures of how your life could be different. Uh, I think what's really helpful to forgiveness in my case, in my life, is that when I'm able to imagine being free from those feelings, when I'm able to imagine letting go of anger or unforgiveness, then I find that once my brain is able to imagine it, then my will follows very quickly behind. Now, once I can see what it's like to be free of those things, that, that my, uh, my volition is able to take hold of that possibility and let go of it. And that brings us to the final step in a process of forgiveness and healing in our relationships. And in that final step, uh, I want to read to you again Matthew chapter 18, a passage that we visited last week. But this week, I want to focus on a different portion of that passage. This is Matthew chapter 18. Uh, This is verses 15 through 17 is what I'm going to read to you. Jesus says this, If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. And if the member listens to you, you've regained that one. But if you're not listened to, take one or two others along with you so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Now, I just want to remind you that last week and even a few weeks ago, I alluded to this passage and said, too often this passage has been used to force people into forgiveness before they're ready, or even worse, to force people to be reconciled with abusers in their lives that they really should be separated from. And I I would rather you, when you read this passage, realize that this is a process that Jesus has given us for protecting victims of abuse, not for empowering abusers. This whole process is designed so that when somebody is hurt, they can go and they can hold the person who hurt them accountable. So much so that if they refuse to admit the harm that they've done, right, verse 15, Jesus says, go and bring another person in to hold them accountable. And if that still doesn't work, if they won't be accountable to two people, then Jesus says, go and get the whole church and hold them accountable as a church for the harm that they have done to you. And then in verse 17, this is the part I want to focus on today. Verse 17, Jesus says this, If the member refuses to listen to the whole church, tell it to the church, and if the offender refuses to listen to the whole church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Now, again, this is a passage that has been abused to harm people and exclude them for thinking the wrong thoughts and believing the wrong things on a doctrinal level. But I want to point out to you that what Jesus is giving us is an incredibly important final step in the process of healing and reconciliation. And that step is this. If in offering forgiveness and reconciliation to somebody, you are able to come to agreement, if you're able to come to that place of empathy we spoke to last week, then there can be incredible healing and even a closer, tighter, more healthy and effective relationship on the other side of it. This is what healing and forgiveness are supposed to produce. Better, healthier, more life-giving human relationships because they are given over to the grace of forgiveness and reconciliation that as it comes from God. But Jesus grants that that doesn't always happen. And when it doesn't happen, Jesus says 
that it's okay to have boundaries with that person who refuses to be held accountable. He says in this case, he gives a kind of extreme example. He says, if this person won't listen to the whole church who agrees that what they did was wrong, then they should distance themselves from him. They should treat that person like a tax collector. In other words, be pushed away from the community so they no longer have access to harm that person or other people again. And this is essentially what we talk about when we talk about having healthy boundaries with people. And I love the way that uh, Bishop Desmond Tutu and his daughter Umfo Tutu, uh, who, who wrote this book that we've been using in this series called The Book of Forgiving, they talk about this final step and they say it very plainly this way. And I want to share this quote with you. They say, once you have been able to forgive, the final step is to either renew or release the relationship you have with the one who has harmed you. Indeed, even if you never speak to the person again, even if you never see them again, even if they are dead, they live on in ways that affect your life profoundly. Now, what they're trying to illustrate here is that it's one thing to release the anger, the frustration, the grief that came in step five, where we decide to grant forgiveness. We decide to let those negative uh, cycles of emotion go. But we still have to renegotiate who that person is in our lives. Even if they're not around, even if they're dead, we have to begin to create a new set of boundaries in that relationship. And that's what I want to invite you to do for our last step today. I want you to think about this relationship that you need to experience healing and forgiveness in. And now that you have wrestled with granting forgiveness, letting go of those negative emotions, now you're ready to ask the question, what needs to change in this relationship in order for it to be healthier? And this can, I think, in my experience, be the hardest question to answer because there is a kind of gravitational pull in most relationships that seeks to return them to the old patterns that they existed in. But Jesus gives us permission in this passage in Matthew 18 to decide if somebody is going to continue to be abusive and hurtful and toxic in our lives, it's okay to let them go. What the tutus in their book call releasing the relationship. And of course, it's not simply uh, whether we keep the relationship the way it's always existed or release it entirely. There are a million shades in between. It might be that this is a person that you need to continue to interact with in your life, that somebody you love and care about deeply, but you just can't be enmeshed in their lives anymore because of the harm that causes you. In that case, it's not a question of sticking to the old patterns entirely or shutting them out entirely, but more something in between. Maybe you spend less time together. Maybe you talk less often. Maybe you let go of a partnership of some kind in order to create the space that you need in order to be healthy again. And so for our last exercise today, we're going to pause again, this time for three minutes, and I'm going to ask you just to brainstorm on your piece of paper or wherever it is that you're journaling today. I'm going to ask you to uh, brainstorm the answer to three questions. Uh, what behaviors need to change in this relationship? What circumstances need to change in the relationship? 
and what access needs to change. So what behaviors need to be different and how can you communicate that? What circumstances need to be different and how can you create those new circumstances? And then how much access needs to change in that relationship? In other words, what needs to change about how much access they have to you? Uh, I'm going to give you three minutes just to brainstorm ways that you think your relationship needs to change in order to be healthy again, starting now. All right, your three minutes is up, but I hope that you know that this is really just intended today to be a kind of starting point for you. Um, My hope and my prayer for you today is that as you're thinking through the kinds of relationships in your life that need healing and reconciliation and forgiveness, 
that carving out a little bit of this time and space today to really get your thoughts and your feelings out and put down on paper would be a great way for you to get the ball rolling on what actually needs to happen in that relationship. This is not very useful to us. It's not going to be very spiritually formational to us unless we commit to actually walking in to these kinds of practices. It isn't enough for me or Alex or anybody else to get up here week after week and just talk at you. What we're really doing is inviting you and inviting all of us as a church to enter into a kind of life a set of practices modeled and taught by Jesus that begin to qualitatively change our lives and our relationships for the better. My prayer today is that you would have the courage and that I would have the courage too to walk out these practices in our lives every day. I want to end with a prayer for that courage for all of us. Would you join me? God, we thank you again for today and for this opportunity for us to stretch ourselves a little bit to be challenged by these words of Christ who calls us to live out a kind of love that is really committed to engaging and loving and growing and changing our relationships in ways that really honor you and also that honor ourselves. We ask that you would give us the courage to do it and the stamina to do it. We ask that you would inspire us to do it. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, everybody. Good morning. My name is CJ, and I've got some announcements here for you this morning. Thank you for joining us once again online here at the Oceanside Sanctuary. If you are new to these online gatherings, we would love to meet you. We would love to know where you're at and where you're uh, coming in live from to check out the Oceanside Sanctuary. And so when you're ready, you can get a hold of us at the Oceanside Sanctuary org website backslash contact and when you are ready you can share some of your story with us black history month hashtag black history month all month long everybody the anti-racism team here at the church is putting together daily social media and website posts spotlighting various black individuals each day of the week corresponds with a different topic we would love for you to journey with us this month on Instagram and Facebook at Oceanside Sanctuary or visit OceansideSanctuary.org backslash blog for those daily updates. Coming up on Thursday, February the 18th at 6.30 p.m., it's the call and response scripture study. That's gonna be Thursday, February 18th at 6.30 p.m. via the Zoom. And this is our monthly scripture study group that approaches the Bible study with group dialogue, much like the call and response tradition found in sacred literature, liturgy, and music of all kinds. I think you're gonna enjoy this. This month, we will be studying 1 John. And then finally, coming up on Sunday, February the 28th at 10 a.m. right after the service, it's a coffee and Zoom hangout time. And of course, we miss seeing each other, and I know our pastoral team and our staff misses seeing you. So this is a great opportunity to jump on the Zoom, catch up with each other, meet some new friends, and talk about how everything is going. This will be right after church, and we would love to see you there. Hope you're all doing well. Continue to stay safe, healthy, and patient, and have a great week.